In this podcast episode, you'll be hearing four people being me, Lauren, Brittany, and Afzal share how death affected our lives and the new things that we've learned from it, which means that this episode will be split into four acts. Act 1 is going to be narrated by Afzal, who is going to tell a story about the day he lost his grandfather. The integral secant x squared is 10x, I thought to myself as I lay there in my bed. It was a bright morning in July, and the sun was streaming down through the thin opening in my curtains. I watched quietly, half asleep, as the dust danced in the spotlight cast by the sun. It was 9 o'clock, and in four hours I had my calculus midterm for a summer class I was taking. The butterflies in my stomach seemed to be especially active that day, as I went over the various rules and laws I studied the night before, unaware. I turned to my side, the blanket tugging along with me, and reached for my phone. Coronavirus results could take as long as two weeks, read CNN. I swiped through the various messages of my high school group chats and turned back around. I pulled the blankets to my chin one last time to encase in its warmth before I headed to brush my teeth. However, it was at this moment that I heard the knob of my door slowly turn. My mom silently walked to my window, drew the curtains aside, and sat on the corner of my bed, not once making eye contact with me. Something was definitely wrong. Minutes passed before my mom looked up at me, my head slightly off my pillow as I strained to see her face. Her eyes were moist and red, and her face seemed to be absent of the usual red hue that filled her cheeks. Your grandpa had a stroke, Avzol. He passed away this morning, she whispered as a single tear streaked down her face. Dad was the first thing that crossed my mind. I flew down the stairs, skipping three at a time, and ran across the cold marble tile floors to my dad sitting at the dining room table. He was slouched there, quietly, his back turned to me staring out the French door at the birds sitting on the feeder as his knee bounced up and down. For some reason, I was scared. I didn't know if I wanted to ask him about it. I almost felt that if I never acknowledged the news, it would fail to exist. I stood there for a while, debating whether to approach my dad. Eventually, I walked up and sat down next to him. His shirt was disheveled, and tears ran down his face continuously. Not knowing what to say, I sat there beside him for what felt like eternity. I was numb. The butterflies that had ravaged my stomach earlier had seemed to disappear. To be honest, I don't remember anything that I did on my midterm. It seemed to be the least of my worries at the time. To see the strongest man I have ever known break down in tears, it really hurt. Don't get me wrong. I loved my grandpa. He was one of my biggest role models in life. But the pain I felt that day was not entirely for him. Rather, my dad. My dad loved his father. I would call him every day. The relationship they had was so genuine, and I understood that he had every right to f- cry and feel devastated. Yet, I didn't want him to. He didn't deserve it. It was silly of me to think that something like this would never happen. My family has always been religious. They put their faith in God and would constantly remind me that everything would have to die eventually. However, facing that reality firsthand was an entirely different story. The conviction I had of the eternity of time had evaporated. Life was now a blink of an eye, a mere instance. Looking back at those sad few days, my most important takeaway was family is everything. As cliche as it sounds, the new weight this concept held really changed my outlook. 
My parents made me who I am today. I owe them everything. Those family board games or movie nights that I beg to skip may not be much to me, but I meant the world to them. I realized that not before long, I would become independent, and the only thing keeping me and my family connected may simply be a phone call. At the same time, I was reminded of the inevitable end for us all, and as a result, to make the most of life. Moving on to Act 2, this is Brittany's story of how the death of her classmate changed her outlooks on life. Once pulled into my senior parking spot, I look at the dark red clock reading 6.20 a.m. I had to drive with my windows down because of my warm breath fogging up the windshield, blinding my view of anything in front of me. Opening the door brought a cold shiver native to these dark early mornings. I didn't mind the cold that ran straight down my back. Bundled up in multiple jackets and a beanie, I grabbed my bag and the water bottle from the passenger seat. It was like everything around had somehow absorbed the cold. There was no warmth in sight. With this cold was a, a still silence, as if daring you to take a breath. Making my way to a conversation I was dreading since the day before. The straps of my bag were digging into my shoulders with the weight of the long day ahead. I pressed up the ramp, over the dip that I stepped on every day, into the classroom. The classroom that was filled with pictures on every wall, with little to no space left. Pictures of our leadership groups from the years past. Pictures of leaders wearing bright blue shirts, hugging groups of freshmen. The classroom with empty desks grouped together to leave one space open at the front, where leaders would stand and speak every day, cheered on loudly by their classmates. The classroom that was now cold and silent, with only a few grim faces shivering. Slowly, one by one, juniors and seniors from all over began to walk into the room like deer walking into a dark, dimly lit road, their eyes full of anticipation for the work that lies ahead, and smiles that were almost hesitant as though they could feel the oncoming tragedy. Emergency meeting, everyone was told in the alarming email we had received the day before. Our advisor quietly steps to the front of the classroom, pain detailing every part of her face. With every part of me, I tried to ignore her words, but that wasn't enough. Eyes widened across the classroom, and a silence continued that I had heard all morning. There was nothing I could do or say. Painful sounds traveled and tears touched everyone's face. They weren't in the dark anymore. What should we have done? Why didn't she come to me to ask for help? Could have helped her. Why didn't I see it? It was only days after that I could come up with an answer. See, I didn't really know her. I knew her name, some of the classes she was taking, and who her link crew leaders were. My friends, there is no reason to ask questions of what we should have, would have, or could have done. We all know those answers, but what we can do now to remember her and make sure that we let others know that we care enough to listen. It's all we can do really is remember and listen. In Act 3, which is told by Lauren, she's going to talk about the day she lost a family member and how that affected her. I was looking out the window of our kitchen, admiring the beautiful green hills that have brought me peace for years. I remember thinking to myself that I was so lucky to live in a place that holds so much beauty. 
At that moment, everything felt right. It was a gorgeous spring day and I was finally happy. My sister sat down next to me and said, Mom called me up here. Do you know what's wrong? I stopped zoning out the minute I heard her voice and my brain filled with panic. My family was not the type to sit down and just talk, so I knew something was truly wrong. I felt a sinking feeling in my stomach as my mom and dad walked down the hall to greet us. I only got this feeling when I knew there was an issue, but little did I know that this was the hardest news I was going to receive in my life so far. My dad stood across from my sister and me while my mom sat on the other side of the table. My dad began to speak with a serious but calm voice. He was rarely serious, so I felt weird that he was speaking to us this way. After a long moment of silence and hesitation, he broke the news to us that our cousin Keaton had taken his life the night before. There is nothing that can prepare a person for this sort of tragic news. I froze and then quickly became hysterical. Hot tears began to swell in my eyes and then rush down my face. I tried to get words out, but all I could release were the tears. Every tear was so painful and stung as they trickled down my cheek. I remember feeling so alone and emotionally starved at this moment. My parents and sister just stared at me with blank faces, like they didn't care at all. I ran quickly down to my room. My family is very emotionally disconnected from each other, so the thought of them seeing me cry made me sick. We just don't have that bond. I dove into my bed and continued to cry for hours until my pillow was stained. My throat was incredibly sore and my eyes became swollen. I was in so much physical and mental pain at that point. All I could think about was the fact that he was only 19 years old. He was so young. For a long time, I can tell he was unhappy with his life, and that's what killed me the most. And the thought of what should I have done to prevent this consumed my brain. I began to blame myself for not being there for him all the time. I blamed myself for not catching this before it was too late. I blamed myself for not telling him that I loved him more but there's only so much blame I could put on myself. He was never going to come back and I had to accept that. I had to learn to stop beating myself up. He knew I loved him and that I would do anything to help him. After a few days of laying in my bed, I forced myself to get outside and get some fresh air. I was done feeling helpless. I needed to make a change in my life. I walked to the top of a bright green hill that had a view of my entire town. While I sat there, I reflected on my own life and who I have become. I decided I wanted to be a better listener and show more compassion to others. I needed to make the most of my own life and cherish the lives around me. Six months later, I feel that I have changed for the better. I have made Keaton proud. Lastly, Act 4, which is my story. I don't know if this is considered breaking the fourth wall or not, but in summary, this is about me losing my best friend and how it affected me. Two friends, brothers in arms, a duality that had a bond that can never be broken. A normal night for the two, Lively the sprite, and Bitter the gloomy one. A modest house party began. Lively was in the kitchen with a crowd starting to form around him. As he sought attention, and being the master of conversation, he worked the crowd like that of a veteran salsa dancer, bringing with him a slight rise in the cheek, followed by a subtle laugh to everyone who caught his gaze. Creating a spontaneous bond from conversation which, which Bitter was so jealous of. While Lively was executing his tactics flawlessly, on a staircase, hearing the joys below, Bitter sat alone, hunched over, angrily bickering to himself about how people are attracted to Lively. This one-person conversation usually consisted of Bitter honing in on his jealousy of how people cannot see the fakeness of Lively whilst wiping away at the newly formed spit in the corner of his mouth. Then taking a bite from a greasy slice of pizza, that ended up staining Bitter's white shirt. 
Lively eventually explored the first level of the house, peeping his head into each room like that of a prairie dog, making sure that everyone was enjoying themselves, finishing his sweep of the first floor, walking back to the kitchen, an immediate smirk struck the face of Lively. As he saw Bitter in his normal spot, sad, alone, and stuffing his face with pizza, this stark contrast of personalities caused Lively to see Bitter as a challenge to bring happiness to. Lively joyfully walked towards Bitter, and the usual dissenting thoughts popped into Bitter's head of, You're not gonna fool me this time, buddy. Lively made his way up the stairs, occasionally skipping a step. He told Bitter, Some people and I are gonna go to the gas station to get some snacks. Wanna come with? Bitter, in his cloud of state of jealousy, happily declined. Lively tugged on Bitter's leg like that of a child trying to convince their parents to get them a toy. Once again, Bitter swiftly declined, and Lively was evidently maddened at Bitter's answer, stating that he'll get him something and will be back soon. Bitter softly said okay, and Lively turned around, running down the stairs to meet up with the group of five, one person to open the door to leave, exiting one by one. Lively was the last one to leave, making eye contact with Bitter on the way out as he closed the door. Over what seemed to be an unfathomable amount of time, a phantom pain haunted the heart of Bitter as he frequently checked the giant hands of the grandfather clock a few feet behind him, which moved undisturbed by the absence of Lively. Fed up with Lively, Bitter made his way down the stairs, going one step at a time, quickly leaving the party to go pick up his friend. In the distance, Bitter heard the sound of countless sirens, slicing into the silent night, wheeling his car sway as an ambulance rushed past him in what seemed like forever. Bitter ultimately drove past the focal point for all the noise. A smoking car rolled over in a ditch. Bitter was solely focused on going to his destination, occasionally taking a few peeps through his dirty window, seeing a sea of yellow tarps surrounded in a semicircle by first responders, who all carried a disturbed look to their faces. A slight sensation of uneasiness began to creep into Bitter's soul. Not thinking anything of it, Bitter eventually made it to his destination, promptly walking into the gas station, asking the clerk if he had seen a group of kids here, getting no for an answer. Annoyed at not finding Lively, Bitter angrily decided to head home. Bitter did go to sleep later that night, thinking subconsciously about Lively. The following morning, I was woken to the information that made me feel as a lone sailor navigating an endless sea of ever-changing sadness, where the heavy mist coming from the infinite amount of waves striking the hull of my ship burned like that and no other, being that my friend never came home. The only thought in my mind that still sticks with me to this day is to never let go of the people that you love.